0: Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argyris and this week I'm looking for the best novelization book. A book, a a movie that's been novelized into a novelization. Did you know that novelization was
1: a subset of book
0: before, I don't know, before we talked about it? Yeah, not really. And to help me are two high school English teachers, Ian and Joe. Hi, Nick. I'm Joe
2: Holshoe. and if you look for novelizations, it's it's kind of like well, I was gonna say it's like our stock and trade, but that's not actually true. We don't. No, t- generally it's, it's teach. we've done like once before. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't teach many novelizations. Uh, my name's Joe Holshoe, and this week, Nick, if you want a novelization of a movie, I found a really legitimately good one. Um, I. I assume Ian's is terrible. Um, I brought the novelization <laughs> of 2001, A Space Odyssey, which is... I, Nick, I'm going to say it. I mean, you might have heard this before. I think it might be better than the movie.
0: Okay, well, that's just so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you have something else that's stupid to say there, Ian? Is it your no, turn to uh, say something ridiculous?
1: Yes. Lilu, <clears throat> it's me, Dr. Ian Zorg DeYoung, and today that's... I'm a high school English teacher who brought you the novelization of Luc Besson's award winning 1990s film, The Fifth Element. My book is called The Fifth Element. Ah.
2: May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders.
1: Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely enough, every author (laughs) was at some point a racist.
0: Audiobooks don't count, right?
1: All art is quite useless. (laughs) Who who, who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. (laughs) (laughs) I'll
0: be honest, these are falling right into my... (laughs) your wheel, I didn't, yeah my my core <laughs> oh. competency is in movies here you've really hit it uh right on the head i feel like i'm being pandered to a little well, bit like um but i'm okay with is, it
2: is this the first time you feel like that but so like when we talk about the pictures in our books or the really short chapters you don't feel pandered to then.
0: no no and re- remember in this
1: case pandering is good <laughs> got it <laughs> we like pandering yeah so nick um we, we kind of talked about this a little bit before but would you have accepted it if it was, and it's not, my my book is clearly a novelization of a film. Would you yes. have accepted it if it was a novelization of some other form of media? So like there's a big market now for novelizations of video games. Oh, there have been like, sure. there've been right. halo books, like including some books about from the halo franchise that are like key parts of the Canon. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of my uh, complete
0: knowledge of the term novelization, it does, I did look it up and it does cover all of these different mediums, right? It's basically any other medium that exists and turn it into a book. So if your question is, am I open to this? It sounds like a real money grab. This is sounds like it sounded (laughs) like a real money. I I can't imagine any high quality art coming out of here that supersedes the the original piece. I just can't get past that. It's commissioned.
1: That's what it feels like. You see, you see on, on, um, like the sticker on the front of the book that says now a major motion picture, but that's not a novelization. That's no. when it's like Dan Brown's Da Vinci code, which then was turned into a movie. Right. And then they put Tom Hanks on the cover of the book. Yep. That, right. that's a totally different thing. Like this is, this is very clearly like somebody loved this movie so much. They went to see it. They loved it so much that they went and bought the book.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. They're like, I would love to. Re- I mean, we've said this before. I'd love if this movie took 30 hours to get through, right? Like, I just want to live in the world of this movie.
1: It's really interesting that, that both of these books, uh, sorry, both of these movies are uh, fairly well known for mm-hmm. kind of visual technique famously one of the things the books don't really offer that much these are Mm -hmm. some of the most visually enthralling great movies i've
0: i've ever yeah that exist especially Mm -hmm. in like the sci-fi world right so i guess my point is am i gonna read any of either of these books (laughs) nick
2: i think (laughs) i legitimately think you might read my book after you really? about it. Like, I Bold. think, I think Listen my Listen to that
0: confidence here. I, I, well, I no, really do. And I think I'll get into
2: it when I go, but I think my book supplements the movie in a way that novelizations, I think a novelization's very frequently like parrot movies, right? right. Or like right. our facsimiles of the movies. I feel like my book is a legitimate supplement to 2001 A Space Odyssey.
0: Have you guys both seen the movies, right? Yeah. Like, is that goes without saying- uh, well, yeah.
2: it should not go without saying. I watched it this week as I was reading this book. I had never <laughs> wow. seen this movie oh, before this wow. week. <laughs>
0: interesting, interesting. Like, okay. hold on, Joe. Were you like pausing it? Okay, well, <laughs> you're reading along
2: so it's kind of funny that you ask that because i did it wasn't chapter by chapter but i did end up watching the movie in chunks that really ended up correlating with how far i was in the book entirely coincidentally yeah. but like pretty i started reading movie. the book pretty long movie pretty long movie um and then i finished the book um and then i i did not finish the movie so i
1: do still oh have what? Thir- I,
2: I do still have about 30 minutes left in the movie
1: oh dear I'm just gonna wow. be watching
2: it when Ian talks today. Is oh that my goodness! Cool? Hey <laughs> Joe, hey Joe, Ian.
1: Joe. Have there been any? uh, wow. How to say that without being a spoiler? Have there mm. been any trippy? Anything oh, oh, okay,
2: to, so so so. With that said, like I I am very familiar with what the ending of the movie looks like. Um, like like I don't think I
1: don't think you can say that I without having actually seen it. Seen like seen it's very different it, to though. say like oh it's a trippy super weird uh, no, last no, half no, hour no, no,
2: no. like. Yeah, I've I I know what it is. This has been like this is like part of pop culture. This has been like um, in Okay, all right. guys. there's right, there has
0: been some serious doubt cast. You really had me there. Hey, Joseph. Hey,
2: I, hey, hey, did I bring a movie or did I bring a fucking book? Like like I'm here to talk <laughs> about the book, guys. All
1: right. I I can say I can say for sure that I not only have seen my movie all the way through, but I (laughs) rewatched it again last night so I could talk better about the movie and the book in conversation, so. All right, well.
2: My name's Ian DeYoung.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome, Lit Heads, to You Don't Know Lit, a weekly, or as
0: we call it, Strongly Strongly Podcast, Podcast. where every week we pick a theme or genre, and Ian and Joe bring a book. Um, And of course, we have some show rules to keep us on track. Uh, rule number one is only unavoidable spoilers. That shouldn't be a problem for Joe since he hasn't watched the end. Um, <laughs> I have not
2: the uh, end of the book. <laughs> rule number two:
0: uh, omit oh, oh, needless words, uh, Joe. But not the again, not the end of the book. Mm-hmm. And then um, rule number three: winning isn't everything. It's the only thing that matters to to Ian and Joe.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it does matter a lot to to. Both it matters us. a lot. Yeah, it matters
0: a lot. It does.
2: Yeah, it matters.
0: Joseph. Yep. I'd like to hear a little bit about the book and I think maybe we should set another ground rule here. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm almost exclusively interested in how the movie compares with the book.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Nick, you are going to like a large section
0: of what I have to say then. Okay. I mean, let, let's let bang out the plot, right? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, Sure. Yeah. because that course. matters. We let's of course be aware of our, our lit heads who maybe haven't seen these movies yet, mm-hmm. but, these incredibly old movies. Yes. Yes. Timeless classics, I would call mm-hmm. them. Yep. Sci fi classics. Criterion um, Collection. Yeah. So that's rule number four. Uh, jo- uh, Joe, your time has started. <laughs> Nick. Bah. Oh,
2: Bob. <laughs> <my> <laughs> Nick, 2001 A Space Odyssey is widely regarded as among the greatest and most influential films ever made. In 1991, it was deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant by the United States Library of Congress and selected for preservation in the film registry. It was named the greatest film of all time by the Moving Arts Film Journal. Nick, this is not that movie. It is the novelization of that movie, written concurrently as a collaboration between Arthur. Clark and Stanley Kubrick it is the perfect supplement to the movie huh.
1: that was way longer than 30 seconds no and I think it's it much pretty like the it, film it, it overran its time Ian's just sad because he's dimpling a song I do no <laughs> no I'm, I'm heartbroken I'm not gonna sing
0: do you want to sing under the sea I'm not <laughs> sing. that's a I'm good not gonna song sing
1: Richard Wagner okay um no it's not Joe that sounds great except for mine is better well can hmm. I start my time now now you can't. <laughs> <laughs> the forces of good have created a super weapon to fight evil. This sounds like a message or a theme, kind of vague, but this is literally the actual plot of my book and the accompanying movie. Benevolent aliens have bio-engineered an ultimate warrior to explode the literal physical embodiment of evil. Reality-ending hijinks ensue with a colorful cast of characters, including. The aforementioned Ultimate Warrior, an arms dealer named Zorg, an annoying radio DJ, and a brooding ex-soldier who's good at killing. I really like that there's an
2: Ultimate Warrior in yours.
1: Yeah, so I gotta be very, very, very clear. Mm-hmm. When wait, Joe, have you not seen this movie? I have not seen this movie. Oh either, wow. No, no. Okay. Joe, yeah. do you not watch movies? I'm
0: pretty into <laughs> books,
1: guys. Joe, do you not <laughs> love high culture? Okay. <laughs> um, I just I gotta be very, very clear. When I say Ultimate Warrior, I mean Ultimate Warrior, not the Ultimate Warrior, the WWF guy who did a lot of cocaine and painted his face Mm -hmm. and shook the ropes. He is Mm -hmm. not in this book, though he is kind of an alien looking guy
2: himself. So it's not like the rock is in Jumanji. It's like it's just a different thing called the
0: Ultimate Warrior. I'm going to say yes, because (laughs) I think we're a bit lost here.
1: (laughs) Um, Ian, do you want to start? What? Me? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, so I, I don't think I really need to, like, hash out the story because the story of this is, I mean, there is a chosen one. You got your chosen one. Uh, you got your love story. Um, got a lot of aliens, a lot of really good aliens. One of the things that I love about this movie and about the book is that it, it's like, heck, yeah, we got aliens, man. You want aliens? We got them. There, <laughs> there's gross aliens. Yep. There's nice aliens. Um, there's weird-looking aliens who can sing really beautifully and are also hybrid with humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, the three types of aliens: gross, nice, and weird-looking yeah, hybrids. That covers the um, spectrum. Yep. But it's really like it's really w- just willing to kind of lean into what I mean. What you could uncharitably call tropes. Um, it, it, it it treats them with kind of a joy. I mean, the 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 story opens with aliens coming back to a pyramid in Egypt that they built a long time ago. It's it's like. How about instead of you telling me the plot, Ian? Let me try to tell you the plot from my memory. I <laughs> love Ooh. this. Well, this would be great because I read the book. This is good, and let's do it in a second. I read the book, and I was like, huh, I do not remember this being in the movie, which I watched many years ago. So I watched the movie again, and I was like, oh, dang, yeah, that's, that, is, that is not what I remembered. So, Nick, first of all, how long ago did you watch The Fifth Element? Unknown. Oh, great. Tell me what happens in the book, in the movie. Okay,
0: so... We'll pick it up from where you left off. There's yeah, evil, the aliens evil come to a pyramid. So yes. my understanding oh, yes. of the plot of this, uh, again, from uh, when I watched the movie ten plus years ago, is that these aliens are coming back to Earth, and they used to inhabit Earth like thousands and thousands or millions and millions of years ago, and they're coming back to get this th- I don't, uh, the fifth element.
1: Yes. Mm- they are maybe
0: okay yes to probably kill some people with it i don't know and then so then they're kind of there and then bruce willis is like "Mm -mm, no way you can't do that you can't kill the planet and then so he finds and then the fifth element a a girl a, a woman
2: wait 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 i'm looking at a periodic table right now guys the fifth element is boron did, did these aliens come back to get boron and why is it only it's on a
1: good, a uh, good chemistry related joke there? That's good. Thank you. Okay. We so have a off adding value to the podcast. No, that's
0: good. That's good. I think I forgot her name, Joe, but thank you. It is her. So her name is boron and, and they come back to get her. And I'll be honest, the plot really falls apart in my memory after that. She, I think they, they saved the day though. They do save the day. The fifth, I think the fifth element is love. It's either love or boron.
2: <laughs> is that true?
1: The fifth element is, not to be a spoiler, the fifth element is love. And this is made very clear in the book. Is it? The book is, the four elements, as we all know, are uh, earth, fire, air, earth? and water. <laughs> yep. And then the fifth element is love.
2: Bile. I think the fifth element is bile on that chart.
0: Oh, bile. Because Joe's <laughs> puking. I get it. Um, um so I think the that story is pretty clear. Did I miss anything? Uh Chris Tucker sings a lot. Yeah, you missed a lot.
1: <laughs> you missed a lot. Uh Bruce Willis is um a taxi driver and they actually reconstruct the fifth element. She's um like she's exploded uh, but they reconstruct her body in a tube and then she escapes. So there's whole this whole kind of like chase thing going on. She falls into Bruce Willis's cab. They fall in love. Um, there's a lot of like humorous stuff in it. Chris Rock, uh, not Chris Rock. Um, uh, Chris Tucker does sing a ton. Christopher um, Tucker, yeah, and talks a lot. It's, and he's it's funny. a space adventure. Gary sp- Oldman is
0: in Ooh, it.
2: Love Gary Oldman.
0: It's ironically a space odyssey. I think
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it really is. Yeah. It really is. It's great. It's good. There's the the there's like a, a bunch of ticking clocks and. Um some great some great laser fights. Um and I love it when Ian struggles. <laughs> well, I'm- I don't know. There's just there's a lot. It's it's a it's a hodgepodge. The the, the special effects are very nineteen ninety seven, but not that bad for nineteen ninety seven. In the book? No, in the movie. <laughs> Yeah, the book has the book has (laughs) like (laughs) that (laughs) those those uh those holograms used to be on the front of like cards that you would turn it one way and it was most of the book is two
0: asterisks in in the middle. It just says pew pew. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: actually, um, one of the things that kind of polarizes readers of this book is the fact that when when there's gunfire in the book, it is represented using words like. (laughs) get the
0: fuck out are you fucking kidding me i am serious <laughs>
2: like like b like how do they spell it? like b r r b or
0: I, I we're gonna need spelling let me find you an example of this one second
2: i think we should guess if if i was okay. going to if i was going to spell and, and nick i think you should try to do this too like if i was of going course, to try to course. mimic what a gun actually sounded like i would say like right right right
0: like no jokes here p
2: p like like P W H A K, like plak quack,
0: quack. Oh, that's good. Obviously, the yeah. P W, that's shot. good. Yep. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna go B, like a blah blah, like that. Like maybe they're like alien guns, right? So they have a little bit more bass to them, right? So mm. I'm gonna say B W A R G H.
2: Okay, Borg. So it's yeah. Ar- the, your options: like, or, yeah, br- or Borg.
1: Yeah, with a G. A couple more G's Well, I'm sorry to say you both are wrong in this great game of guessing. Is it
0: bang? If it's bang.
1: (laughs) Pow. Boom, boom. With the guns. (laughs) Just
0: 1950s Batman. (laughs) Pow. Zap, zap.
1: (laughs) Snicked. (laughs) Are you going to tell us or what? Taking quick aim, Zorg fired at the faraway mannequin. Brap. Thunk. (gasps) A hit. Okay, then hit replay and send every following shot to the same location. Zorg spun around on his heel firing the ZF one wildly into the air as he made a complete circle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, spell it. Spell it.
2: Is there a space between those or is it all B-R-A-P like
1: RAP raid? space a space RAP space a A space RAP. space. So, hey, I got the first half. Yeah.
0: It's really good. So there you go. Um, Sounds like a good book there, Ian. Joe, (laughs) what did you bring this week?
1: (laughs) The movie leans on sort of some of its, its physical and performative comedy. So Gary Oldman as Zorg is a ludicrous character and um, there are a lot of sort of sight gags in the movie. So one of the things that that Bisson has to do as he writes this is capture the humor, and he does a pretty good job. It's tongue in cheap, top tongue in cheap, tongue and cheek. Lots of sheep. He does irony really well. And then there is this onomatopoeia. Um, this thing where you know you're using the words that sound like the thing that's happening. So there are a lot of splatters and flacks and thunks and splurts and things like this. Hmm. Um so he's he's really like yeah I'm I'm gonna go all in on the the word salad to make it to give you kind of the cinematic experience. Does this book do anything different than the movie?
0: Yeah, because um, it sounds like it doesn't try to. It sounds like it
1: tries <laughs> to incorporate as much of the the character as much as possible. <laughs> well, so so Terry Bisson is a is a well-respected sci-fi author. This isn't just some hack, you know, turning the, the screenplay into into a, a novel for a quick buck. Billy well, probably was for a quick buck. Let's not be, let's not kid ourselves.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, most, most definitely.
1: He is, he is a good sci-fi author. In our American literature class, we read one of his stories called They're Made Out of Meat, which records oh, a conversation yeah. between aliens and humans. Uh, the humans are trying to make first contact. The aliens are like, shall we, shall we make first contact with them? And uh, this story includes the unforgettable line, they can even sing by squirting air through their meat. Bisson is really good at kind of using language to create an impression. And that's what he does here. Um, his words allow for more than 1990s visuals can. So he talks about this evil planet. And the way he describes it is pretty, pretty powerful. And having read the book, um, I was like, okay, here we go. And I start watching the movie. And I'm like, oh, dang it. This is 1998. They, it's not going to be as... It's not going to be as beautiful as he describes it. And sure enough, the CGI is not as good as (laughs) my imagination. (laughs) I mean, I think you could could probably do it today, but like 1998 was a long time ago, dude. uh, Luke Besson, who who made the movie was working on this for 22 years before he got it made. He started when he was 16 years old. So this is his brainchild and he has a clear vision. And I think in the screenplay, he had a clear vision for what this was going to look like. And I kind of suspect it was limited to some extent by technology. I think yeah. the book allows you imaginatively to fill in the gaps that, that the, right. The film, the yeah. film can't get there because it the is what corporate types didn't allow well, or technology. I think there's a lot of prosthetics <laughs> still a lot of um, practical effects, which are great, but don't capture some of the trippiness of his vision.
2: Well, I guess like, my question is, and I think like anytime you're talking about a novelization, the question has to be like, does it add anything like, like who reads this? Who's who are these books for?
1: Yeah, this is a good question. So I think, um, is this a gag gift? It's all good. Good. I I think, I think this is a good gift if you like the fifth element, but, um, you wish there was a sequel and Besson says there's never going to be a sequel. This, this does this kind of re it's a, it's a different, slightly different standpoint. So, there are two things that i think that this this book differs big ways this book differs from the movie the first is um the character of lilu who is our ultimate warrior um and this is not so good the film mm. the film doesn't particularly it doesn't overemphasize the erotic side of it it doesn't make her like really it's kind of objectifying but it's not mm. like I mean, and maybe if you haven't read the book, you're like, Oh my, it sure does. The book is mm, significantly more um, objectifying. Sure. Um, Kind of like the book is leering the yeah. book. Like, uh it's, it's, it's awkward. It's awkward to read at a certain point to the point of being a little bit pervy. The book is mm-hmm. like, uh, kind of like <laughs> yeah. a lot of times, especially early on. And, and it's it's, it's, it's recounting the, the attitudes of the men in the room. So it's like, Okay, you could say, well, that's just like it's demonstrating that all the men are super p- pigs, but not really, like the book is just yeah. Kind of like, yeah, she was so hot yeah. um yeah. and the film doesn't in comparison the film yeah. doesn't do that quite so much. that's a yeah. big kind of I think negative difference, like but the the movie dials actually does dial it down quite a bit hmm. um the the weird difference the weird kind of second difference is that this book is legitimately invested in. Lilu, our ultimate warrior, as a powerful character who has thoughts and feelings in an inner life. She is a a realized person. In the movie, it's mostly just Bruce Willis shoots things with muscles. Um, But for the most part, she doesn't... We don't really get to see much of her inner life Mm -hmm. in the movie. And the book does a weirdly good job of presenting her as... person yeah and i say weird because like when you've got this sort of like hyper sexualizing thing going on you expect that like the objectifying to then rob that character of their kind of personhood and humanity but the book is like no here like let's let's see how she feels when this happens let's see how she's emotionally reacting to this stuff man you must really have to like this movie (laughs) I think, I think, so. get,
0: I I think I'll stress this on both of them. Who's the audience here? Well, okay. So, so this is
1: once this that review said he just got it at his library. That makes a lot of sense.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, you Aww. see that,
1: you see the, the, the brand and you go for it. I think, I think this, um, we, we can't under, undersell how big this movie was. Um, That's it true. was this, well, this book was actually published uh, a year before the film came out. Um, oh because it was, it was written based on an earlier screenplay, which didn't get made. So it's kind of, it's concurrent. It's, it's, um, or, or shortly before it's, it's part of the, the the media push, but this book, this, this film did become like a, a big deal. It was the highest, uh, I was like the highest grossing French film for a decade or something. It it held that, 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 that record or something Mm -hmm. like that. So, it was, it was, uh, you know, there were no Star Wars yet again. George oh. Lucas hadn't gotten back to that. This is, this yeah. is pre Terry is, Bison
0: did a uh, galaxy quest. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's good yeah. and he's funny in kind of or was it the novelization kind of dark. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. possibly, I'm not uh-uh. sure. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think the audience is, the audience is maybe like you saw the movie and you're like, oh, that was a pretty good movie. So you, you want to, you want to. You want to read the book. I, I don't know who the audience is for any novelization. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> might, might not even be, uh, you don't know, it might not even be the Litheads.
1: It <laughs> <laughs> might not be the Litheads. It feels like
2: something that like you're a kid, you're a teenager. You're super into this movie. You're super into this franchise and your mom is Christmas shopping for you. And she's like, Oh, Oh, I think this is that element book that my boy likes. (laughs) I think I'm going to get him this and you get it. And you're like, what the hell is this?" I guess I'll read it. I've got 10 days off school.
1: Well, I think (laughs) Joe, I think nail on the head. It's an era. I think the nineties were still a time and and, and it's, it's kind of been diluted nowadays with branding and stuff. You can, but there was a time when like you couldn't necessarily go see it again quickly. It would be six months before it would come out on, on home home media. Mm-hmm, right. So you would just gobble up anything that you could connected to it. Yeah.
2: You'd just live in that world as much yeah. as you could.
1: Like you would read the magazines about it. Yeah, you would like, exactly. Yep, yep. There was a there was a video game based on the fifth element, which mm-hmm. people have said it was released for PlayStation and PC. And people have said it was possibly the worst game I've ever played. <laughs> um, but they played it. But I played there it. There was an arcade it, game. Right. Yeah. So like they were they were going all in on the on the whole uh the, the multimedia empire. Um do you guys know what, what the con film festival is? Comic no. the, the con? No. I think it's pronounced Cannes, Ian.
0: It's uh, not it pronounced starts, Cans. It, it, it's it's spelled pronounced like
1: con. It, it's mm. like fancy art film. Yeah. Um I yeah. Uh, I think it is Cans. <laughs> it's not. Um, <laughs> so this movie cats. was nominated for, for grand prizes at the Cannes film festival. It was nominated for best sound editing Oscar. It also was nominated for Razzies and, and, um, like worst movie awards. Sure. So um, like technical triumph. Some people said, well, and, and, and acting too. Yeah. Some people said um, Chris Tucker was the best part of this movie. Other people said he was the worst part of this movie. Uh, some critics were, were like talking to their readers, like readers were arguing that some people would say it is the best summer blockbuster of all time. And other people said it is the worst summer blockbuster of all time. So yeah, incredibly it's pretty sp- polarizing, incredibly mm-hmm. split. And, and if you're one of those people who says, I love this, this is incredible, then you'll buy the book. Yeah. You
0: don't buy the book. No, you it's do buy the cool.
1: book. You love it. You think it's... Don't do buy, buy, the buy the book. book. Gotcha. Mm.
2: Is
0: there a girl with um, three breasts in this book or... No, or, no. Okay. You're thinking of the Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> total, film total on, right. that takes place on Mars. Total Recall. I yes. got it. Got it. Okay. Which I, I
2: got to brush up on my sci-fi do is films. some
0: Philip K. Philip K. Dick. Uh, there you go. We
2: should do there Philip K. Dick next week.
0: No, that's not what we're doing.
2: What are we doing next week? I don't know.
0: Um, I mean, I get, I can't actually that's a good point. We yeah, we don't, don't have think... any picked out. Okay, listen, we can just do Philip K. Dick if you want. Philip
2: K. Dick <laughs> short stories. I don't actually care.
0: Yeah, Dick shorts. Dick. Shorts. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> Joe's enjoying that one a little bit too much. All right. Well, why don't you guys surprise us next week with what books you're bringing? He has a ton. I don't. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Okay. We... Philip K. Dick. Joseph, you've said some very bold things in your teaser. I yes. um I'm...
1: some things that I would go ahead and say I hate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you're suggesting, Joe, you're mm-hmm. suggesting that in the
0: You're suggesting that the perfect movie is lacking. Mm-hmm. Exactly. If
1: it needs kind of to be, to be added to. Okay.
2: Yes. All right. So, so I, I think I'm definitely going to get there, right? I think there's no way this conversation doesn't go there, but
0: Nick. Wow. That's, that's, it sounds like it's going to take a while, Ian. <laughs> Buckle up. Uh, oh God.
2: Nick, you started um, Ian's portion by telling us what you remembered about that movie. It sounds mm. like, you know, this movie super well. What. What do you remember about the film? two thousand one, A Space Odyssey. Maybe when did you last see it? And then, like, what are the what are the highlights? You want the the plot?
0: I want the plot. Okay, so it's a um, it's basically a movie that spans all space and time. Uh, the timeline is all of all of eternity. Uh, It's all of humankind's uh, time on Earth, Mm -hmm. including pre-human time, um, like evolution stuff. Uh, but basically that's, that's the timeline, but the plot is, uh, it's set in the future and these people go to space because they, did they find this monolith? No. Mm. Yeah. Was it on the moon? Was the monolith on the moon? So there's this monolith. It may or may not be on the moon. It might be on there Earth or it's on another planet. And there they, are monkeys mm-hmm. they, too. they are on a mission to get this thing and bring it back to Earth and figure out what it is. And if you're anything like me, you don't know what a monolith is, <laughs> 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 but it's basically this big, it is shaped like a book. Um, It's mm-hmm. big. It's this big black. Um, It looks like an iPhone that's turned off, kind of like oh, okay. um, standing upright. It's just this big black, 30 foot tall, flat uh object that looks man-made. And so it's it's this tremendous mystery, right? Like, what is this thing? And um and then there's uh without spoiling it, there's um on this mission basically there's some hijinks with the AI on board and that throws a uh, a monkey wrench again. Monkey reference monkey earlier. Wrench. Good, good. And uh, yeah, and that's that's basically the plot.
2: Awesome. Yeah. So I mean, you you really hit a lot of the high points. Um, there are there's not just one monolith in the in the plot. I'm, I, this is the part where I fact check. There's not just one yep. monolith. There's actually four throughout the throughout the plot of both the
0: movie actually. and the book. Yep. Okay. Cool. Yep. Yep. I have so- a question. Does your book is your book meant to clarify the movie or does it, is there like an alternate <laughs> story okay the book is not meant to clarify the movie
2: the book does clarify the movie by virtue of the fact that it is a book and not a movie right like right like Things when are, Sta- yeah well and stanley kubrick the development of this book is really interesting because stanley kubrick went to arthur C. Clarke. he had just done um Oh, what's the movie
1: where they drop the bomb? Um, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Dr. Strangelove. Dr. Strangelove. Or how love. I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb.
2: Love it. So Kubrick had just done uh, Dr. Love, and he went to Arthur C. Clarke, and he's like, hey, I loved it. I'm super proud of it. I want to do something bigger. Right? Like, I want to do something bigger. I want to do something like universe-spanning, right? And I want to write it with you. So... These two guys started with a short story that Arthur C. Clarke had written, um, like just as the premise and started kind of kicking drafts of this back and forth. They started building the world together, right? Like Arthur C. Clarke would write something. He'd send it to Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick would add to it. He'd send it back, right? Um, and they built the world of this film, the film that we know 2001 A Space Odyssey. They built it together, kind of piecing together. Previous stuff that Arthur C. Clarke had written, but then really developing a bunch of stuff whole cloth. Arthur C. Clarke ended up getting sole authorship of this. Like when they published the book, uh, and by the way, you talked about it being a money grab earlier, Ian. <laughs> one of the one of their motivations was not just to do the world building, like develop the the plot, develop the world, but one of their motivations was also like, hey, and then we're going to write this book and we're going to make some money from that too, <laughs> which will be okay. Money good. Yeah, people like it turns out. This book this book was written like both before this movie ever started production and while this movie was being produced, right? Like they continued to write it even as they were making modifications. Um in fact st- in fact Arthur C. Clarke revised a large piece of this after seeing mm. the um what do you call them the rushes, like the initial like the initial shootings of the plot like the like dailies yeah yeah like he saw some stuff from the plot and he's like oh this isn't gonna work or oh we can't portray this correctly on the screen um i'm gonna change a bunch of stuff right oh so okay, this cool. really is a r- cool collaboration between clark and kubrick
0: did clark uh so clark helped write the movie itself too y- yeah like or did what's his name get all the did kubrick get all the credit
2: so so Kubrick gets credit for the movie. Uh, yeah, Kubrick gets credit for the movie. Well, obviously he gets credit gets, for the movie. But. And Clark gets credit for the book. Um, when people ask why they wrote it like this, there was a great line that they said, look, writing a novel is like swimming in the sea, right? Like writing the novel is like going for a swim in the sea. Writing a screenplay is like swimming in treacle tart. <laughs> They're like, it's just like, this hard, arduous, like thick thing to get through. Like it's not enjoyable to write screenplays. So they said, "Hey, instead of like explaining every little detail in the screenplay, let's write a book that does that
1: organically." I wonder if that's if this is connected to the fact that I mean, how long? How long does does two thousand and one Space Oddities Odyssey, Odyssey clock in at? It's super long. It's like three plus, right? It's three and a half. So like, think. if you are if you are Kubrick, who Who is famously uh, detail-oriented and likes to make long movies? This is a way for you to like get your cool thoughts out there without having to film it all.
2: Yeah, like without having to put it on the screen, right? Yeah. Okay, and that's why, like when I said that, I think almost
0: makes you wonder why it doesn't happen more.
2: Yeah, it does make you wonder why it doesn't happen more. Um, and I think like the obvious thing to think of is like we've seen so many. You know we see so many movies based on novels, and they like never live up to it like they can never live up to the hype and and you know we right, we're, the, we're right. the first ones to say that but here like i I think it kind of works, and I think the reason it works is because it was this collaboration because it was being written at the same time, and because I think the two are meant to kind of you know be the yin to each other's
1: yang so so you're what you're arguing is that. Uh, based on your incomplete viewing of the film. Right? <laughs> yes.
2: Based on my incomplete viewing
0: of the film. <laughs> this is crucial. The,
1: the, the, viewing of the film is improved by, mm-hmm. it's yes. not just like you would do this cause you wanted to stay in the world. You would, mm-hmm. you would read this because um, it's, it's an interesting, you know, uh, uh, it fills in some of the gaps But you're like, no, this makes the viewing and the reading, the reading them together, consuming them together makes both experiences richer. And it's necessary to some extent.
2: That's my argument up until you say it's necessary to some extent. Okay. I I don't think you have to read this book, but I do think if you're into this world, right? Like if you love this, world. well, here, this is what, this is what I would say. When I watched the film, my suspicion is that a lot of people who watch this movie get through it or get through half of it or get through scenes of it. And they have a reaction where they go, what the hell is going on here, right? Like, it's okay. really ambiguous at points. And Kubrick said, you know, people asked Kubrick about that. They said, hey, like,
0: did are you, you okay?
2: try? They asked him, are you okay? No, they, they said, hey, did you try to make, like, the meaning and even, like, plot points so ambiguous in 2001? And he said, well, no, I didn't try to make it ambiguous, he says, but I was you Just really- happened accidentally. <laughs> well, he said... I didn't want to – I wanted to avoid intellectual verbalization is what he said. And Ian, you had talked about this in, you know, where we talk about avoiding exposition. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I wanted to avoid intellectual verbalization. I never wanted to tell you what was going on. Like, I never wanted characters to tell you what was going on. He said, instead, I just wanted, like, my images, my visuals to reach the viewer's subconscious. He said – Here's the thing, when you make a movie like that, you don't strive for ambiguity, it is the inevitable outcome of making the film non-verbal. And you guys remember this film is famously non-verbal. I think the first dialogue is something like 25 minutes into the movie.
0: Yeah, it's like they don't talk... (laughs) Yeah, they don't like, talk for the first 30 minutes of the movie. Yeah,
2: so so no wonder it's a little ambiguous, right? Like nobody there's says There's
0: 88 anything. minutes of no dialogue in this movie, which is pretty strange considering uh, there's a book version. Yeah,
1: so this is my question, Joe, like mm-hmm. so my book deals with the difficulty of adapting like certain things, visuals, humor to the the verbal. Is this just like and then there were monkeys and they were revolving around the massive black monolith. Like yeah. what does it do? Somebody, a rev- review of my book, a negative review said it looks, it sounds like Terry Bisson is just describing the mo- the movie sure, to a 13 yeah. year old. Is this just like, is this just, like, <laughs> that's a good question. Are your
0: books, are both of your books just describing a movie?
2: <laughs> okay. I, th- th- this is what I love. Like th- when you read this book like you, this, this scene if you haven't seen 2001 if you haven't read the book like it opens up with like these they're monkeys right they're monkeys that walk upright they're monkeys that have like some form of like communication between them but they are like actually <laughs> they're chimpanzees they're, they're pre-human like they are well i think they're a common ancestor they're apes <laughs> they're they're pre-human apes and there's like this whole thing where like they live in the desert and there's like this kind of crummy like water source and they're fighting with a different thing and they're afraid of like the leper, and all This stuff. When you watch that on film, like it's, you see the conflict, you kind of get that something's going on here. When you read it in the book, like we get the point of view of the lead monkey, of the lead chimpanzee, of the lead ape. Like he has a name. His name is Moonwatcher. Like he has somewhat of an internal dialogue. Like you see what he thinks, you see the arrival of the monolith through his eyes. And, and this is the crucial point you see how the monolith affects them. Like the monolith in the book, and I think in the movie too, but they never say this, like it sparks the evolution of these monkeys. Like it rewards them for using tools for the first time. It teaches them how to tie knots in a blade of grass, which is something that like they had never done before. Like, the four monoliths throughout the book, it is very, very clear through all the g- things that good authors do, right, through dialogue, through plot, through, through just good, tight, like, science fiction stuff. It is very clear that these monoliths all happen at a very different, like, th- they give humanity a nudge in the direction of evolution, right? They give humanity a nudge.
1: Joe, it sounds like you're saying, and I'm I'm, I'm sorry if I'm misrepresenting you here. Please sh- shut me down. It sounds like you're saying that the benefit of this book is that it makes the the movie less inscrutable, and I would argue that part of the genius of this movie is its inscrutability, its complexity. Oh it doesn't tell it. you things, and that's cool. And it sounds like the book is like, I it gets it's neat to know that the lead monkey is named Moonwalker, but also I don't need to know that. Oh, see. And I
2: totally disagree. Like when I read this book or when I when I watch this movie, I think like when I get through the monkey scene. Right. I'm like, what the hell is that? Like, if you didn't read this book, how (laughs) would you know what was happening here right now? Right. Like in the movie, there's a bunch of monkeys. They're fighting with other monkeys. A monolith shows up. They go and fight with monkeys again. And this time they win. Like, that's what happens. And and it takes like 25 minutes for that to happen. And it's like, what the hell is going on here? There's a great story where Rock Hudson <laughs> was at the premiere of this movie, and he stood up about a third of the way through and basically said out loud to the audience, what the hell am I watching? <laughs> and he laughed.
0: Wait, is that the main actor? Who is that? Rock Hudson is odd. Uh, we wrong. don't know. We can't, we don't have that reference at the top of our head there, Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. Rock Hudson is like an actor from the sixties. He's the audio engineer. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah. Yeah. I, well, Ian, I think that's the other side. It, yeah, this kind of reminds me of like watching a movie and then going to like listen to the DVD commentary from the yeah. director. Oh, right. sure, 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 like, sure, sure, sure. Oh, right. Like I don't have to do that, but if I really loved it, that could be
1: cool. But if
2: you're really into the movie, like it can be cool, right? But, but, I, yeah, it's,
1: it's a risk though because there's the there's the there's Ooh. the mystification factor for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's Your a reason, point is made. I yeah. totally get you. Yeah, there's a reason those people say you can't like the uh, opinions expressed on these interviews are not necessarily the opinions of Fox sure, Media or whatever. Right. It's because like sometimes like people say not maybe dreadful things but like things you're like, "Oh dang, you're going for that? That sucks." I, I liked it better when I didn't know. I liked it better when I didn't know. <laughs> well, and I think there's hey guys, a good I,
0: While my guitar gently weeps is actually about the hash browns that Paul McCartney had in the morning. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, and I think that's a really good point. And when you read like the critical reviews of the film that were released after it came out, people are really split on their interpretation of this film, right? Like, like some people are like there's a million
0: interpretations.
2: Well, and even if you just break it down to the binary of, is this an optimistic view of humanity or a pessimistic view of humanity? Mm. People are totally split. Like some people are like, yeah, it's totally optimistic for all these reasons. Some people are like, no, it basically is saying humans are garbage for all these reasons. When you read the book, and maybe it's just my interpretation, but I think it's explicit. Like one of those things becomes clear as the reading of this story, right? Like, like I came away from this book with one clean feeling about what these guys were going for. And mm-hmm. here's the thing, like Ian's over there, like groaning and, and like harumphing. but like, if this was something that Arthur C. Clark, like if he had seen the movie and said like, oh, I'm going to give you my take on this film. And then he had like kind of heavy handed that interpretation into it. I'd be like, yeah, maybe it's bullshit. But like this is a collaboration between Clark and Kubrick. Like they did this together. Like Kubrick signed off on this. You know, like the book is dedicated to Stanley Kubrick and, and um, was instrumental in the building of this. So I think like, hey, man, like it or not,
0: if you want the meaning, it's there.
2: If you want the meaning, it's here. You can read the book.
0: Joe, you lose and I don't want you saying anything else today. <laughs> Bullshit. I want you to keep it shut. I don't want to know about any of the I don't need any more explanation. Uh-huh. This this um it sounds really quite interesting. I I I would like to put my head in the sand on this one though. It's okay. it's one of the few movies that I'm like that is pure joy. I think it's perfect. I don't want anything else affecting the my viewpoint on this. <laughs> Good, all bad, right, or I'm, otherwise. Right, I, do, Nick, I think it's interesting, though. I think um, it's it's more so. Ian, you didn't win today, but Joe, I just I I kind of reject uh, the book, your book, yeah, because I like the movie so much. <laughs> you know what's weird is because like that's the whole purpose, like the whole point of the movie is almost to like is to have that void of explanation and is to like let there be interpretation and then just to supply that in book form the like the actual meaning or the interpretation whatever level it is joe maybe it's not as as much as i'm thinking it is in my head but like it seems like well what the fuck is the point there stan (laughs) it goes from
1: it goes from evergreen the movie to something you can be like oh okay that's what it's doing okay i'm done i don't need to see it again which is a risk
0: yeah.
2: Um, Ian and Nick prefer to wallow in their own no. ignorance. <laughs> Le- lidheads, if you, I, I'd strongly recommend the book for you, lidheads. Um, I think it supplements the movie in a really nice way. And that's everything I'm going to say. Litheads, um, if you do not prefer to wallow in your own ignorance, if you want <laughs> to keep these hot takes coming week after week, the, be- <laughs> the best thing that you can do, uh, I, I don't know. I think the best thing you can do is probably tell a bookish
0: friend about the podcast. Yeah, sure. Hands are, down. Yeah. We don't need any of that other stuff. I mean, if you want to like our post, that's fine, but just tell a friend. You just Yeah, tell a friend. Tell a friend.
2: Tell a friend. We, we have all sorts of socials that you can follow us on. You can review us at all sorts of places. You feel free to do that if you'd like, but no, tell tell a bookish friend. And uh, Ian, congratulations.
1: Thank you. That sounded, it sounded like it's stuck in your craw, but I do <laughs> thank you. Um, I want to say one quick, I'm going to make one quick shout out before I read my quote. Um, I am recording this in the uh, Sutter branch of the Sutter County library um, while I'm on Christmas break. So big thanks to the Sutter County library. If you're in Northern California, you should stop by one of the locations. <laughs> if you're not, then it just doesn't matter. But I just, I do want to, I do want to uh, give thanks to them for that.
2: Um, yeah. Well, and Hey, hey, let's just give a big thanks in to libraries, libraries like, in
1: general, folks.
0: Uh, libraries absolutely. Are pretty great. Pretty and, great. uh, a hot tip about libraries is that uh, some of them even have video games.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. Free. Free. There was a while when I was buying books all the time, and then I was like, what am I doing? I just go and get them from the library. It's my free.
0: mom always tells me how much they love the free movies at the library. I'm like, I think
1: we've missed the point completely here. Folks. <laughs> uh- <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Um, I was talking in my time about how uh, one of the things that Bisson does is he takes the the things that are in Besson's mind and puts them on the page so that we can imagine them. And this kind of outstrips, in some regards, the, the visual effects that the 1990s could produce. So this is when he introduces kind of the big bad, this physical embodiment of evil, this massive planet thing that ends up almost destroying the Earth. Um, he describes it really, really well. When I read this, I was like, dang, that's really good. And then I watched the movie and I was like, that... That, like that Arrested Development line, her. It's just it kind of. Uh, um, so this is the quote. This is the quote that I think describes this big bad in a really kind of uh, vivid, and uh, enthralling way. Early in the book, these uh, the 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 ships uh, out in the 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 space. The ships out in space are waiting for the event to happen, where the the portal opens and the evil comes. The captain and the others on the bridge were looking out on an unmapped sector of the galaxy, and in the center of it, an amoebic, moving mass, swirling like a storm. Something between a planet, an embryonic star, and a black hole. Its writhing shape, continually changing, evoked every horror in the universe. It altered color as it roiled and bubbled spattered and burbled sputtered and burned a hideous amalgam of decaying rose rancid green cold blue blood red and gangrenous purple it was all the colors of death come to life that's how you introduce a villain (laughs) it's pretty good